Hello there. Welcome to another episode of the Right Way to Mother. I am Sasha Xiao. If you find my voice a little bit different today, that is because I am sick.、Um, if you are a mother or a parent and having your kids going to daycare or used to go to daycare, you definitely will understand the struggle. You know, they constantly bring germs home. They are kind of like walking germs. When you feel like they just get over one cold or flu, and then they kind of go right back into it. They're like walking germs, <laughs> little walking germs. That's kind of cute, actually. Speaking out loud, what I heard is actually that's a good way to boost their immune system. Obviously, I'm not like a medical expert, but that's just something I've heard. So this time, I'm not so lucky. I got sick from him, and、uh, yeah, so here I am. I'm actually recording this、uh, intro right on Mother's Day.、Uh, don't feel bad for me. This is my choice.、Um, you know, my husband took my son out for a long stretch of time, so I can actually get to do this. This doesn't feel like work to me. It actually brings me joy and kind of feed my soul. So it's something I chose to do today, and I'm enjoying doing this and enjoying share these kind of clips of conversations with you today. The reason today's conversation is a bit special is because I'm not sharing a new conversation with you, but rather I actually have compiled a few conversations from the past.、Um, actually, turned out to be my favorite conversations、uh, related to motherhood, writing, and creativity. I found it very fascinating to look back in hindsight because many of the few conversations I'm sharing today were recorded before I became a mother. Even then, I already felt the connection with the topics about motherhood and creativity, and the intersection, the intertwinement, and all that kind of stuff. So I almost feel like that was a foreshadowing of the project today. Anyway,、uh, I really hope you will enjoy it. I'm not sure if you are listening to this episode on Mother's Day or you actually are tuning in on a later date. But whatever that is, I really hope you enjoy the episode today. I just hope that they find something they really enjoy doing, and they just keep moving toward that as much as possible. Because、um, you know, society and pressure and financial stability—all those things will kind of really press against you and push you away from the things that you might love. Doing and think about it. I mean, who would have ever said be a poet? You know, it's like be a writer. I mean, not my parents who didn't even know that was a possibility, and yet I kept on doing it、um, against all odds, sort of thing, because I like it. And so I kind of hope that is what I can pass on to my kids and inspire them to.、Um, you know, you'll get distracted. Things will happen. Life will get in the way. But hopefully, you always at least get to do some of what you enjoy doing, whatever that might be. And it'll change, and it'll like you may. It's like your path can change. You might enjoy something different later, and and、um, it'll ebb and flow as well. Like I, you know, I, I think about my, in my thirties, like I didn't really write much at all, even though I pu- I publish a couple books and stuff. But it's like that's all. That's all I wrote. You know, it's like that's like a long time period, like a decade,、um, where I didn't feel like I did much reading or or writing, and that's okay too. I mean, I did a lot of living. <laughs> And, and child rearing and surviving and parent, you know, like caretaking and all that kind of stuff too. And I had fun. I was I was also having fun and dealing with work stuff and things like that. That was Victoria Chan, a poet and writer. 
This conversation was recorded quite recent. I think it was in January, and it was published、uh, just a couple months ago. But、uh, the clip I just shared with you wasn't actually part of the published、uh, conversation, so you got to listen to the part that Victoria talked about. Motherhood and writing, and、uh, kind of her wishes upon her daughters. And the next clip is from my conversation with Claudia Day, which has been one of my favorite conversations of all time. And I, from what I've heard from many of you, that's also been one of your favorites as well. Yeah, when we had this conversation, that was a few years ago. I was nowhere near motherhood.、Uh, I didn't even know when I wanted to become a mother. I wasn't even married about、uh, around that time. So, yeah, it's just really eye-opening and poetic to hear a mother and artist talk about, you know, how writing and motherhood can be something so such a push and pull experience. This one most recently, yes, you close a door, and I do think of it, it as the invisible profession because there's no real evidence of what you're doing until, as you said, you really have like the finished object, the book.、Um, but the process is different from project to project, and so for this book particularly, I tend to think long and write fast. And so the last novel that I published, Stun, I published ten years ago, and inside that ten years, I've felt a lot, I've observed a lot, I've noted a lot, I've read a lot, I've loved a lot, and so all of that went into this book. All of that energy, all of that thinking, all of the sorrows, the heights, it all went into the novel. And I would say that just given the daily Busyness and kind of requirements of my life with two young children and a design studio. Writing this novel, particularly, was a bit like being in a chase scene. It happened very fast, and so I needed to create the conditions to allow for that fastness.、Mm-hmm. And so I would go away. I would go to an empty cottage, a chalet, an apartment in the club district, an apartment in Chinatown, wherever my friends. Had you know given me their keys to an empty space, I would go, and my、oh, husband、wow. would hold down our fort for six days, eight days, and once eighteen days. Really, and so I would do these like monkish, intense stretches. And part of why I wanted to write the book in that compressed way was because I wanted this book to be. I think of them in a way as lovers. It's like they become the antidote to the last book. So my last book was romantic and kind of clotted with language, and then this book I wanted it to be all about velocity on a sentence level, from sentence to sentence. I wanted it to move,、mm-hmm. you know. So I I feel like the the compressed time periods that were required of me to make it ended up feeding that quality in the、mm-hmm. sentences. So the novel Claudia was referring to in the clip you just listened to was her novel Heartbreaker, and I was so excited when I find out her next novel, Daughter, 
will be coming out next year in 2023. So hopefully then I can bring Claudia back again to talk about that novel and what it's been like to write that novel. Because as she talked about her experience、um, writing, it's really very from project to project. Last time she was really writing through stolen times, so I'm really excited to find out what is this book, you know, the experience has been like, and how is that tied up to、uh, motherhood when her kids now a little bit older. And the next clip you're about to hear is from my conversation with writer、uh, Harriet Alida Lai. The book didn't catalyze for me as a book, even though I'd been working on. The nonfiction version of it for about a year.、Mm-hmm. It didn't catalyze until I got pregnant, and then the story seemed to me to click. It became a story that was not just about me anymore because I was really reluctant to write a book that was just about me, and it didn't feel larger than myself. My story didn't feel universal, even though many people had read it and thought that it was. For me, it took the pregnancy to have a sort of shift in perspective and look back on my time as a daughter. As well as like from my parents' perspective, and as an independent teenager, so、mm. it took the pregnancy for me to feel like the process was one that I was ready to push forward in. When we recorded this conversation,、uh, Harry's son Arlo was only 18 months old, and since then they had welcomed their second child, Lucy, into the family. It's really fascinating with Harriet because, you know, she actually was diagnosed with a very rare type of disease when she was 15, and which she luckily survived. But because of the treatment she was giving, she was almost giving this sentence that she might never ever become a parent mother herself. And what the odds now she is the mother to two beautiful children. So she definitely has opened a very joyful parenting experience to me. I feel like she really sees motherhood and writing and creativity as. To parallel dance, you know they complement and they exist in harmony. They don't really fight against each other. Because、um, your life is all of a sudden insanely busy, and、uh, it gets busier. Like in the first couple months, I didn't feel very busy. I felt very exhausted because you're having to wake up all the time to、mm. feed this thing. But now I have to like. Yeah, chase a toddler around and <laughs>、uh, feed him and entertain him and take him out and carry him down the stairs and carry the stroller around and there's much more busyness there、mm-hmm. and also like continue to work and have my own life. A friend of mine is a poet and just published a poem that I read yesterday and there's a line saying, "I think it's to give life is to be left."、Mm-hmm. Because if you're the person who's giving birth, like pushing a child out of your body, that child is leaving you. But also, as they grow up, they'll go off and go to school and make friends and leave you. And there's like this heartbreak to parenthood that、mm-hmm. I experience like many times a day. Many times a day.、Already. Oh yeah. Oh totally. Tell me more. <laughs> um, just the feeling that like every time. He's the most happy in the world to just see me.、Mm-hmm. Like if I go and get him after a nap, or like I've left him with 
my parents to babysit him for a while and he sees me and it's just like the happiest thing in the world. It makes me the happiest person in the world, but I know that eventually that won't be the case. And just mm-hmm. thinking about that breaks my heart. So it's not necessarily what's happening. No, It's kind no. of predicting what might happen in the future. Yes. And then kind of compare to what you're having right now. Yeah. And in the book, I talk about like the asymmetry of love that children and parents have. And I think right now, like babies experience love in a very different way than adults do. And he definitely experiences love and he loves me and his dad, Cal, like a ton. But, and I think that we, we love him more by nature mm-hmm. and we always will. And yeah. especially as he gets older, like, oh, mom, <laughs> you know, <laughs> those teenager years. <laughs> yeah. Or even like the three-year-old years yeah. or whatever. Right. And as a writer, as a creative person, how you balance between kind of juggling between these two roles, because I feel like being a mother, there's a lot of like groundedness in this role. And being a creative, there's a lot of imagination. Do you have kind of like pull yourself back to play one role or these two roles can mingle together? I don't agree with those definitions of the separation. I think that a parent is very imaginative and I have to be very practical, of course, like, okay, he's hungry or he's sleepy and I have to be home by this time. And there's a practicality to it all, but you also have to just like throw him on the bed and tickle him and like make the growls of a dinosaur. <laughs> like, And it'll just continue to get more, like I get to revel in his imagination and play with him on his level. And uh, I think it's more of a time balance. Like I don't feel the roles as being separate. And actually I was, when I was pregnant and I got the book deal for this memoir, I had a like minor freak out because I think that society dictates that, like there's a lot of talk around the separation of motherhood and parenthood Mm. and creativity. And it seems as though people discuss it as a binary, you can only be one or the other. Like Sheila Hetty's book, Motherhood, was very much like, well, I'm a writer, but so can I be a mother? Can I mm-hmm. give all this up and do that? Um, and she's debating it for so long and really feels worried that she'll lose her creative freedom. And in the end, that's sort of one of the reasons why she decides that that's not what she wants to do. Right. Like Rebecca Solnit talks a lot about it and Virginia Woolf never had children. And there's this sense that you can either be a mother or a creative person, but that's implying that you should be a mother at all. You don't have to. I think that society, there's definitely a push towards that and a lot of pressure and women feel that pressure immensely. But by separating those two things in a binary, we're furthering the notion that women can't work because Mm -hmm. my writing is work. It's not this like imaginary mantle that I put on my shoulders when I sit at my desk, right? Like it's a, and that's what Cal said. He's like, when I came home, like, oh my God, I can't be a writer and a mother. I like jinxed myself. Like I shouldn't (laughs) have gotten this book deal. He was like, like, no, like, of course you can be a writer Mm -hmm. and a mother. Like my mom worked, your mom worked, like writing's your job. Um, It's just harder for me. And I think many other people to prioritize creative work when there's no associative hourly wage, right? Mm -hmm. Like most of the time as a writer, I can't be like, okay, well, I'll get a babysitter like four days a week and I'll earn like twice that much because the time that I'll be writing will justify that. Like there's no direct association between Mm -hmm. time input and money output Mm -hmm. with any creative process, unless you're in a very rare situation. And so I find it a little bit harder to 
justify the cost of childcare when I'm not sure that the work I'm doing will lead to the finances that would pay for it. That's what I find difficult. And one thing I forgot to mention was when I was recording this conversation with Harriet, I was actually a few months pregnant, and I, at that moment, I was keeping it a secret.、Um, I did tell Harriet、uh, during the conversation off the record, though, and、uh, yeah. So I now listening back in hindsight, I definitely feel like a lot of my own kind of like、uh, personal questions and worries and things I wanted to know. Manifested throughout the whole conversation. <laughs>、uh, it was quite interesting. And the next one, I actually introduced our conversation this year as our relaunch of Dear Seekers, and、uh, it was a conversation with Chiriego Okonini, and she is such a beautiful and spiritual soul. I cannot discover her through Instagram when she was sharing this. Video of her introducing her about to be published book and her newborn baby. So in this clip, you'll be hearing I kind of questioned her almost like a little bit relentlessly, asking you know what was the recent or most recent lapse of her、uh, when she wasn't feeling like she was really in touch with her internal self because as someone you know as being so spiritual and so in touch with her own self. I wanted to know, so here is what she told me. And recently, I was feeling stuck around. I was feeling something around where we were, the winter, my body, the healing that I'm needing after birthing five months ago. But I couldn't fully like commit to it. I had a beautiful coaching session, and literally, often as a reminder of things you know. In this case, you know, let the road lead you. I was so afraid of stepping into the unknown, which is the big thing that I trust. But in this case, I forgot, and I wanted to know where I was going to go because I have a baby, and I need to know. And I was reminded to trust the road. Trust the first message is that I'm not meant to be here right now. There's something calling to me, but I don't know where, and I need to know. But no, you don't need to know. Just trust the first step of start organizing things. And lo and behold, I started just getting the home ready to rent, etc. And the path opened up. The last clip you're about to hear is from my conversation with the beautiful and talented Heidi Sobinka. And the novel she was referring to in the conversation was her debut novel, *The Dictionary of Animal Languages*. One thing I wanted to mention is that Heidi was so generous to be agreeing on *Dear Seekers*. She was one of the very early guests I had who saw something in *Dear Seekers* when I didn't have too much to show, when my recording skill wasn't really up to date. So. As you can hear, you know it wasn't very the best quality, and the mic luckily was pointed at her. It didn't catch her much about my voice, which was fine, but at times can be a little bit annoying because when I speak, my voice will be so far. You feel like I was in the other room recording this conversation. But luckily, I am bringing Heidi again to Dear Seekers to talk about her second book, Utopia. Which is launching this summer, so I'm sure I'll be more prepared then. I don't know. I wasn't expecting、um, 
there's so many things and cliches about it, but one thing I wasn't expecting was that it was actually a really creative time because you're kind of allowed to drop out of society and you kind of have a real reason. No one bothers you. You're caring for a small baby. So you, you kind of, you have diplomatic immunity a little bit, um, which was kind of nice because you got to just be in your own world. I had maternity leave at the time, so that was a real gift because I didn't have it with my other children, but I had been working full time. So like I wandered, I strapped a baby on my chest and I kind of wandered around and I was sort of in my own head, which is sort of where you have to be to write a book, I think, or where you have to begin. Another sort of on a practical level, so I chose to not go back to an office because I, I was sort of working freelance and able to kind of cobble things together. And I really felt like I wanted my time to count. It was the first time in my life where I felt like I don't want to squander time. Like I realized how much time I'd sort of wasted when I was free of like a commitment, like a child. And so it was sort of kept things in sharp, you know, relations. So I had to just be, you know, if I was going to take a few hours away to work, I wanted it to be something meaningful, which is sort of, again, how the novel kind of started to, to come into being. And I really feel like it was just an idea that wouldn't go away. And then I had to kind of contend with it and sit down with it. All right. I'm so happy you tuning in today. I'm so glad to see you made it to the end. As always, if you could head to Apple Podcast or Spotify to leave us a review or comment, that would be greatly appreciated. If you're interested, sign up to Substack to receive all the Dear Secrets podcast episodes just a few days early and access to my personal essays. The link is in the show note as well. I really hope you enjoyed today's montage of conversations I put together for Mother's Day and uh, see you next week. Bye.